Welcome to this episode of Alive and Thriving. I hope if you are listening, you are having an amazing day. I know I'm having a good day. I took my daughter, my eldest daughter, it's school holidays. So I tend to do a little bit less in the school holidays. I've been able to create that space in my business. So we dropped the youngest at daycare. We went and got our nails done which is just a nice thing to be able to do together. And now I am here. I'm excited. I have our uh, tapping circle tonight. I love, love, love tapping circles. They are my favorite time of the month. So every second Wednesday, I host an online tapping circle and it is a beautiful opportunity for anybody who wants to experience EFT, but also anyone who is seasoned with EFT and knows all of the fantastic benefits of tapping to come along and tap with me on different topics that are going to help to alleviate stress and really release the heaviness of the conditioning and the thoughts and the beliefs and things that we carry around that are really stopping you from feeling good in your life. So tonight's topic is calming anxiety. By the time this episode airs, I know, I know the tapping circle will be gone, but you can actually access replays. Uh, And there's another one next month, second Wednesday of the month. And I believe next month we're doing money mindsets. So head along to the tapping circle link if it's something that you're interested in uh, and you can get all the information from there. Now, today we are talking about PMDD. So PMDD or premenstrual dysphoric disorder, (laughs) say that fast three times, um, is a condition that is absolutely no laughing matter. It affects many women who menstruate and it is still largely really misunderstood. Now, today we're going to be discussing what PMDD is, how to recognize the symptoms of PMDD how it can be diagnosed, but also tools and strategies for managing PMDD naturally. And to discuss this topic, we are going to be speaking with Heidi Hogarth. Heidi is a naturopath, nutritionalist, PMDD survivor, and mum of two who lives in Adelaide in South Australia. She has been motivated. She's been motivated. Oh my goodness, I'm just on fire today. Um, Heidi's been motivated by her debilitating and lonely experience with PMDD. So Heidi's passion in clinical practice lies in supporting others to regain their power over menstrual moods, to get off the emotional roller coasters and balance body and mind naturally so they can feel calm, confident, and empowered in themselves, in their relationships, in their work, and in their life. Heidi is a firm advocate for body-mind medicine, meaning that fortifying the biochemistry of your body and brain has a powerful, positive impact on mental and emotional well-being because your brain, after all, is a flesh and blood organ of your physical body. And, you know, that actually follows on beautifully from last week's episode, episode 59, where we talked about body-mind approaches to anxiety. So Heidi holds a Bachelor of Health Science, Bachelor of Arts, uh, an advanced diploma of naturopathy, a diploma of nutrition and metabolic balance practitioner certification. She is an accredited fellow of the Professional Association, the Australian Traditional Medicine Society, the ATMS, 
and professional member of the IAPMD. So if you are thinking, do I need to listen to this episode? If you experience a menstrual cycle and you feel like your symptoms cannot just be simply PMS, Perhaps you get really bad anxiety before your sim- before your uh, period or during your period. Perhaps you know your moods are just really, really seemingly uncontrollable. This episode is absolutely for you. This is alive and thriving, where we tackle all things that stand in the way of holistic well-being and self-care in life and as women in business. Join me for real and raw conversations and inspiring guests who are expert in their fields as we come back to life together, overcoming stress, anxiety, nourishing our mind, body, and emotions. I am your host, Jessica Reed, alternative therapist, life and well-being coach. And if you are ready to grow, heal, and thrive together, then you are in the right place. Oh, Heidi, welcome to Alive and Thriving. Heidi is a friend of mine and I have known Heidi now for over 12 months and she's a brilliant naturopath. Um, I'm going to link all of Heidi's social information in the show notes and you need to go over there. This is complete side note because I know you haven't even said hello yet, but you need to go over there (laughs) onto Heidi's social media and follow her. And next time she does a food mood reboot, get in on it. Go and do that. I did that myself just before Christmas with Heidi and it was fantastic. So total side note, welcome Heidi. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Thanks Jess. Thanks for having me here. Oh no, you're very welcome. I am really, really excited to talk about this topic today because I know that it is something that I sort of mentioned in the introduction there's not enough talk about it. And it's something that I don't really believe there's enough awareness of either. I'm chatting about PMDD. Um, And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, it's PMDD Awareness Month as we record this. It is, yes. Yes. It's actually called PMD Awareness Month, Premenstrual Disorders. Yeah. There's a couple that are quite closely related, but um, yeah, similar, but different anyway. Okay. Oh, good to know. So I'm really hoping that this episode is going to bring some awareness for women who feel like they've been struggling with what feels like more than PMS for them. Um, I know in my personal experience, I thought I was going crazy with the way that my panic would play up around the time of my menstrual cycle, Um, just, you know, all the things that I was experiencing that just felt like it shouldn't be normal um and yeah I guess let's get into it let's just start chatting I'm gonna stop speaking and let you talk (laughs) Heidi I introduced you a little bit in the in the um beginning before we started recording but I'm just wondering could you share with our listeners a little bit more about you and I'd love to know because you mentioned in your bio that you have had experience with PMDD and and sort of spoke of yourself as a PMDD survivor. I'd love to know how you ended up in this area of expertise and a little bit about your experience with that. Okay, so yeah, my experience with PMDD goes back really 
I'm now 49 and started menstruating when I was 12. And I just remember having a lot of turmoil from my late teens, probably earlier, but specific incidences I can remember from about my late teens. So it's a pretty long time, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like 30, is that 30? Yeah, about 30 years. Um, But I only heard of PMDD about three years ago. And when I heard of the the term, I knew exactly that that described me and um, that that's what I'd been experiencing for all those years without having a clue that that's what it was or that the diagnosis existed. So that's what I mean when it was um, lonely because, like you'd said, like I had these intense feelings before before my period, actually, I'd have to say my period was very irregular Mm -hmm. until my late 20s. And um, so it took a long time to (laughs) connect the dots between Mm -hmm. my emotions and these very dark, depressive episodes that I'd have. And then uh, that's actually premenstrual. And then when I finally did connect the dots, at least I kind of knew, okay, well, then it's like I gaslit myself. I dismissed myself. Oh, it's just PMS. Like I didn't even, um, you know, honour how I felt. I I was ashamed and embarrassed to talk about how dark and awful and so debilitating these feelings were when it's just PMS. Yeah. So it was, yeah, a lot of shame and taboo attached to it about being mental health, about it being part of my menstrual cycle, um, uh, that nobody knew what PMDD was, including not myself. I mm-hmm. sought help. I saw a lot of counsellors and therapists of various kinds. Um, so I've been a naturopath for about 20 years. So it was actually when I was studying naturopathy that I took herbal medicine to regulate my cycle. Mm-hmm. And that's when I noticed the connection. Yeah. Um so I've been surrounded by a lot of different therapists for, uh, you know, the past 30 years, uh, 20 years. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't without help, but not a single person ever asked me if my symptoms related to my menstrual cycle. Mm-hmm. And I think like it's I'm not blaming anyone. It's just how it is. It's so un, well, so little known and, and misunderstood in all professions. So I saw doctors, um psychologists, more alternative counsellors, energy healers, acupuncturists, like everything. I worked in health Mm. retreats, so I was exposed to a lot of different therapies. Um, Yeah, so that's why I'm quite passionate about awareness because uh, even somebody listening to this might start to recognise their own symptoms. I mean, that's how I found out about it. It was another friend and colleague who posted something about PMDD on their socials and I just went, bing, like, light bulbs went off and was like oh my god this explains the past 30 years of my life and I've since I've started talking about it more openly as well a lot of people have come to me even friends saying oh I think that's me what do I do about it where do I go how do I get help um thank you for talking about it so yeah there's still a long way to go so the awareness month is really important um but yeah we do need to get a lot more awareness out there and acceptance as well so mm. um, there's still people out there who don't really believe that it's a thing or yeah. that it is just PMS in fact I don't Amen. like when it's compared <laughs> to PMS. 
I said, are Sir? they men? Are they men? <laughs> Sorry, that might be inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah, well, they are. But there's also <laughs> female doctors. So I've, um, you know, I'm in all the PMDD support groups as well. Like that was the other, like, amazing, like my world opened when I heard about PMDD. And the community out there is incredible. And I felt like, oh, I've missed out on that for the past 30 years. I could have had that support, even if it wasn't practical support. It's just that emotional support. Somebody else is going through what you do, what you are, and somebody else understands how I'm feeling. Somebody else is struggling as well. So it's that, um, yeah, the camaraderie, the community support that is wonderful. That was um, something that I missed out on for sure. So so what was I going to, oh, I got sidetracked because in those communities, you hear these awful stories about going to the doctors and even female doctors say, well, suck it up, you know, this is Mm. just, you're a woman, this is what happens to women, Um, you know, just go, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, take take some Panadol and get a heat pack. Yeah, Yeah, or some Nurofen. Mummy's little helper is what I was (laughs) going to refer to. Yeah, go glass of wine, you know, this is how mums cope. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. And you created, again, another side note, you have your own PMD, our PMDD support group on Facebook, don't you? And I I heard about PMDD through you when I started following you. I think I met you through the Social Method Society and then I started following you. And that's where I really sort of learned about PMDD from. And a little bit like you, hearing about it, you kind of click and you're like, oh, okay, I understand. Um, and I actually, the title of this episode, I'm saying, you know, more than just PMS. Yeah. And and I love that you said that a few times because we are told it's just PMS and you just live with it and you just deal with it. And for some people, um, I mean, for me, I know it always really, my my panic just would go to a next level and it was purely physical in my body always coinciding but I never really made that connection along with some other physical symptoms and things that I was experiencing but I know for some people when you talk about those real depressive levels and that real emotional roller coaster um and and I know for me also that I'd get a wave of not anger like well, I guess anger, like really extreme. I'm okay one minute that I'm in rage, absolute yeah. rage the next. But the amount of, um, and it felt uncontrollable and it felt a little scary too because I remember thinking what's wrong with me? Like I'm I'm feeling good. My anxiety's under control. What's wrong with me? Mm. Um, and then I know for me it was always, again, because people make jokes about, PMS rage and things like that and so I'm like oh this is obviously just how it is but then as a um you know as an alternative therapist myself I work with so many women who come to me for anxiety and they talk about it being worse so much worse around this menstrual cycle time for them and I'm always saying you need to go and look at this Facebook group (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> go go into Heidi's Facebook group. And I remember jumping in that group when you first started it. And now there's hundreds of people in there. There's about 800 people in there. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. Been, that is phenomenal. Yeah. And that yeah. just goes to show, though, just how much support these women are needing. Yeah. 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 Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Can you tell us, Heidi, um, 
when we are talking about PMDD and we're talking about PMS and we're saying it's more than just PMS, what sort of symptoms are we talking about when we're looking at PMDD versus PMS? Right. So there's a combination of um, physical and mental emotional symptoms, but really it's the mental and emotional symptoms that people struggle with the most and that really characterise PMDD. And that is um, anxiety, like absolutely debilitating anxiety, um, despairing depression, um, feelings of absolute worthlessness, thoughts of self-harm and suicidal ideation, even suicide attempts are not uncommon. Mm-hmm. Um, and rage is huge. So, And these are things that are that really negatively impact people's lives, you know, not being able to leave the house to go to work, um, raging at the kids, ruining um, their relationships with their partners, um, quitting jobs. Like this is Mm. really a time that people um, lose their jobs or quit in a rage. Uh, So it's really sometimes like the easiest way I describe it is it's when PMS ruins your life. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's, yeah, it can, and that rage can be so sudden as well as like a switch. Mm-hmm. Like this is when I realised that, oh, my gosh, it's not just about me anymore. So until I had kids, I was the one who suffered. You know, I took everything internally and my symptoms were more depressive. I had a lot of self-loathing, really low self-worth. Um, but then when the kids came along and, you know, there's so much with mum life and the changes there as well, but... Uh, and having no support and things like that. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I could talk about half an hour or <laughs> days about the support that new mums need. Mm. Um, but I started, this is when the rage came out, mm. and that's also when I realised I've got to get my shit together. Yeah. Am I allowed to swear a little yes, bit? Yes, yep, 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 <laughs> <it is> fine. <laughs> <laughs> because it's not just about me. I'm, I've yeah. got these little people to look after and I don't want to mess them up. I don't want that, you know, I need to model good emotional regulation for them. I need them to know that they're loved and it's not their fault. And that's when my drive to sort my own head out came out. Um, That's just a bit of a side note on the rage. Um, But, yeah, so those those are three of the biggest symptoms. But then there can be really deep um, fatigue, brain fog. Like I have a a client who's super switched on. She's so smart. And then she says when she's premenstrual, her her brain goes mushy. She works in banking, so she's dealing with money and PPDs. (laughs) Oh, and you need a logical mind for that, don't you? (laughs) Right, yeah. She needs to be switched on. Like a small mistake can have like huge consequences. Um. So that, yeah, brain fog and, but it's really the biggest ones that affect people are the anxiety, depression and rage. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. So how would somebody who is resonating with what you're saying, how would they actually go about a diagnosis for something like this that is not so commonly known? And, And you mentioned earlier, you know, that some doctors, some people aren't recognizing you know, in medical professions, some people aren't recognizing it as some as something yeah. um, as a diagnosis. So, how would how do people go about yeah. 
finding out for themselves if this is something, and we'll talk about managing it in a moment in case you're listening, wondering, okay, yeah, that's me, but what do I do? <laughs> um, but I'm curious, you know, let's, let's get to the diagnosis first. How do you go yeah. about figuring that out? Um, the only way to diagnose it is by tracking your symptoms for mm-hmm. at least two cycles, but preferably three or more, and to recognise the patterns. Yeah. Um, because, the, you know, the misdiagnosis is quite common as well because there's this kind of Jekyll and Hyde kind of aspect to um, the symptoms, like people just describe a switch going off or mm. a switch going on um that was definitely my experience with rage i'd be like okay kids are really annoying me but i'm cool i'm calm and then suddenly snap yeah screaming and slamming doors yeah Um, so so that can be misdiagnosed as bipolar disorder and even borderline Mm. personality disorder schizophrenia i had a client who was heavily sedated on very heavy medications for 10 years before they realized that that's not her diagnosis it's actually pmdd oh wow so the only way yeah so you could go to a a doctor with symptoms like this sudden change and you might end up with a diagnosis like that but if you can go and say it's happening premenstrually and i think it might be this even you know sadly a a lot of us have to self-advocate in the doctor's office Mm -hmm. um but hopefully it's getting a bit more out there like even my own gp knew about it i didn't have to explain anything to her so that was cool um so yeah the only way is by tracking symptoms and and bringing it to your GP or um, you might be referred to a um, gynecologist or a Mm. psychiatrist, even a uh, endocrinologist sometimes. So, you know, and and sometimes there's good reason for that. Like the thyroid, uh, are we going to talk about causes? Yeah, causes. I know that was actually (laughs) going to be my next question. So no, yeah, lead lead straight in. Can you hear my dog barking, by the way? Oh, good. Okay. I think this microphone's blocking it out, but my little 14 year old dog is deaf. So if I say, Cleo, shush, she's not going to hear me. (laughs) So I just closed the door, but she is yapping and yapping and yapping away. So I was hoping that wasn't interrupting this. Um, You know, causes, absolutely. That was what I was literally about to ask you. Is there anything in particular or any thing that you're aware of or combination of things that can cause or contribute to PMDD? Um, There isn't a known cause, but there are some conditions that have similar symptoms. So like we've discussed a few of those um, mental health conditions, Um, but also like quite often a a GP or endocrinologist would um, do a thyroid check Mm -hmm. because it depression or high anxiety can be a thyroid type of symptom Um, in terms of hormonal imbalances like a a situation of estrogen dominance which can be high estrogen or low progesterone or just uh, in you know in ratio like an imbalance in the ratios like they're Mm -hmm. obviously fluctuating all the time but if there's too much estrogen compared to progesterone then that can also have um PMDD type symptoms Mm -hmm. and that's also a reason why the um, symptoms are so strong premenstrually so for example you referred to anxiety and it's so much worse premenstrually so um, yeah because the 
because of the the effect of hormones have on your neurotransmitters. Yes. So estrogen um, affects your serotonin and dopamine and glutamate. Mm -hmm. So, if, for example, if, if estrogen is high and then glutamate is too high, then that can lead to high anxiety. Yeah, right. And um, on the other side, when progesterone is low, and that's normally what I see in clinic is low progesterone, high um, estrogen, if there mm -hmm. is a hormonal impact when there's yeah. not always, yeah. um, then progesterone affects GABA. And so yeah. when you've got low progesterone, you've got lower um, stimulation of the GABA receptors, which is your inner chill pill. And this is mm -hmm. your, your anxiety um, clientele, a good friend right. of GABA. Yes, <laughs> okay. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Then there can be, yeah, there's just under stimulation of the GABA receptors. Yeah. Um, in that case, so just a little side note on the um, symptoms getting worse premenstrually, that could be premenstrual exacerbation of mm -hmm. an existing condition. So when mm -hmm. you might have, generalized anxiety and it's so much worse before the before your yeah. period then that would be classified as premenstrual exacerbation rather than pmdd right wow uh, yeah yeah what else i said but causes yeah so when it comes down to so like the the those are really um uh diagnosis of elimination so yeah. you might go through a few processes of um testing for this and that to eliminate those as a diagnosis and when basically when there's nothing left <laughs> they say yeah. oh, okay it's pmdd because right. we can't explain it yeah um, yeah there, there's oh, very little I feel like i'm resonating with payment premenstrual exaggeration hang on i can't speak premenstrual <laughs> exacerbation that's sort of hmm i that might be something for me to keep yeah, well, yeah, keeping my you're mind. On the right track anyway, because with premenstrual exacerbation, you really treat the cause, you treat the original kind of yeah. uh, condition. Yeah, yeah. Although I definitely oh, resonated with the rage, the sad premenstrual rage mm -hmm. um, that is like a switch where one minute you're absolutely fine and the next it's like uncontrollable. And then afterwards, you're like, who was that? What happened to me? Um, and then, as you said, there's all these things that come along with that. There's the shame and there's, you know, the guilt and all the things. But um, I know we'll talk about some treatments in a minute, but I know for me tapping helps with that um, and learning how to be self-aware enough mm -hmm. to, to actually know when that switch is almost about to flick, if you can yes. catch it. If you can catch it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, let's chat about quickly, though, uh, when we're talking about treatments or just support um, in terms of what we can do to help ourselves. So let's say we've come to the conclusion that we're likely dealing with PMDD and perhaps we've gone down a conventional path and we've been put on some kind of hormonal birth control or some sort of antidepressant or something, do you find that they are relatively effective for PMDD? Uh, they can be, yes, uh, but it varies so much. So like we mentioned the support groups, sometimes you'll see in there, oh, I've just started Yaz and, oh, my gosh, I've had no symptoms. Yeah, so Yaz is a birth control. Yeah. Um, it's amazing and, like, you guys should all try Yaz. And then there'll be 40 comments, <laughs> 20 of them will say, 
oh, I tried years and it just like I just felt so much worse. Yeah. And, and the others say, oh, yeah, okay, great, I want to try it or, oh, yes, it also works for me. So mm. it's really variable. What works for one doesn't always work for the next. Yeah. Um, but I, I've seen more commonly that Yaz and Zoli are the two birth controls that seem to have, uh, they seem to be more um, popular as effective treatments. Mm-hmm. And the same with um, antidepressants. So sometimes they're amazing. Sometimes people can feel worse on them. Yeah. And either they have a, there's still a, a bit of an experimental or an adjustment period. So it can still take two or three months to um, for your body to adjust to accept the medication to yeah. sort itself out. You know, once you start um, putting um, chemical medications into your system, then you're brain has to get the message to stop making your own so yeah. that just take a little bit what uh, a little bit longer to um to even that out um yeah but unfortunately even in medicine there's no quick fix there's no easy answer there's always an adjustment period or almost always um mm. usually some side effects some yeah you know there's just a a little bit of trial and error involved in medications as well. Yeah. Um, but when they work, amazing. Like I, I see people on medications and I am probably one of the few naturopaths that would be happy for them. <laughs> like I'm not, obviously not a fan of them myself, um, but I, you know, I've experienced the dark times on PMDD. Yeah, and and I've on. even, I mean, I must admit, I've thought about like maybe I should just try these. Like yeah. maybe it will work for me. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, definitely. And I have I've used antidepressants in the past. Absolutely, mm-hmm. I've been in a big hole and I can't look after myself. Can't do the things yeah. that I should be able to to keep myself well. Yeah. Um, then I've used antidepressants just to get out of the hole so that I can have the energy and motivation to put my self care back into place and um, carry on. Yeah, absolutely. They can certainly serve. Um, they can certainly serve a really great purpose in terms of getting you to a place where you can then get back to functioning or, yeah. um, you know, dealing with whatever those underlying causes may yeah. be. But yeah. sometimes you need help to get out of that hole first. Absolutely. Um, anybody who listens knows that I am not against medications as an alternative therapist, but my personal experience with them um, was that after trying so, so, so many, from 2009 up until a few years ago, I could never handle the side effects for me personally in my body. And there was this one, I know this is completely off topic, but there was this one where I remember looking at my daughter. I had just one at the time and I was looking at her and she was playing and she was laughing and I felt dead inside. I felt nothing. And I was like, I'm not staying on this. <laughs> and then there was one that caused me to gain like six kilos around my tummy in six weeks and, um, you know, all sorts of different side effects and other ones that made me feel more spaced out than anything else. So from my personal experience, I mean, I'm somebody who has half a Panadol and I'm, you know, knocked on my butt. So I'm just, <laughs> I can't handle it. Yeah. Um, but all the power to anybody who is using, you know, who is using that as a, as a tool. Mm. Um, but I know that there are natural and alternative treatments that you can also use either complementary with your current treatment plan or when you're ready to, and if you want to start to look at 
things, you know, as an alternative when you're ready to sort of come off the chemicals. So let's talk about those those sorts of um, treatments for PMDD. So you've got a good plan, don't you? Sorry, a good, uh, you've got a great mental health plan for yourself. In oh terms yeah, of PMD management. PMD. I yeah. do. Yeah, it just seems yeah. to be working. Right. Good. <laughs> well, I, ask, I only ask what I see. I'm, I'm, no, 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 I'm on like day three now. Um, yeah, so I'd go with a like a bit of a step by step process with clients. So I do. I see people who do want to come off the medications, and it's not always just because they want to go natural, but they might want to become pregnant. So that was mm. a big reason that people want to come off birth control. Um, and side effects but it's usually pregnancy actually um so yeah we can create a safety net there for when Mm. they come off it um so food for me is number one because Mm. you're you know (laughs) you hear it all the time you are what you eat but you literally your body has no other way of making new cells of repairing cells of keeping everything operating apart from what you put in your mouth and then what you digest and absorb as well apart from you know you breathe a little a few things in and you absorb a few things through your skin but the bulk of your body and that includes your brain which Mm -hmm. is a physical flesh and blood organ of your body Mm -hmm. Uh, and it it actually uh, requires extra resources like takes up something like 20% of your energy and resources compared to only being about 2% of your body weight. Um, So that's number one for me, because if you like, I think of it as like making a cake, you know, if your brain is trying to make hormones and neurotransmitters, you know, the first time you make it, you might have enough ingredients and it's all good and things work well. If you don't replenish it, you need to consistently replenish your nutritional status. Um, mm. You know, next time you go to make the cake, maybe you've got no sugar. So you can still make a cake, but it won't taste the same. The mm. next time maybe you've got no raising agent or you've only got gluten-free flour <laughs> instead. And it'll then it'll be a different texture and it won't feel the same and it won't operate the same. So it's the yeah. same with making your hormones and neurotransmitters and getting your um, nervous system operating Mm. in the effective functional way as well. So food first for me. Um, And then I'd be looking at, oh, and the other, so there's so many firsts. (laughs) First, (laughs) (laughs) Actually, even before food, I love to dive into um, menstrual cycle awareness and cycle sinking and cyclical Mm self-care so that involves um tracking yourself not just for your um symptoms so you you, a lot of people use cycle tracking to predict ovulation Mm -hmm. to prevent or um enhance or you know to support pregnancy um to to predict when the period's coming or to predict when your premenstrual time is and to track the symptoms so that you can show your doctor that this is this is when they're happening but um menstrual cycle awareness brings it a step further and tracking yourself through the whole cycle good and bad you know include your energy levels your motivation your happiness levels how calm you are um your creativity your sleep libido you know if you can track all of those throughout the whole cycle then you'll see um, phases of um, you know your good times and bad yeah and there's gifts and challenges with 
each part of the menstrual cycle. So I love to get people, um, even in the premenstrual time, to recognise that there's powers there too. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes that rage is there to say something's got to change, like this yeah. is not okay, right? It's because your your hormones have dropped. You don't have your feel-good, like, estrogen going, everything's wonderful. You know, it's the veil is lifted and you mm. see this isn't right. You know, this is overstepping my boundaries. This is yeah. not in alignment with my values. Um, so that can be really powerful. So, um, yeah, I'd really encourage that, not to dismiss the rage or suppress it, but yeah. Really explore what it's there for. Yeah. So that kind of self awareness, like you mentioned before, with um, is what I think is the most important aspect of um, the menstrual cycle awareness. Mm. So firstly, you get the self awareness, and then hopefully self acceptance, yeah. and then yeah. work with your natural cycle instead of constantly fighting against it. I think that's yeah. a really um, important part of healing and that's before you've taken any medications or changed Mm. your diet in any way or taken any herbs or supplements so first step is the awareness of the positives and negatives of Mm. each phase in the menstrual cycle I love that I read a book recently and you know for the life of me I actually can't remember what it was called now but um (laughs) in this moment but it was all about um I'm learning about sort of doing running my business by making friends with my cycle Mm. Um, and, you know, working with the times where I am meant to be creative and out socializing and, and work then working with the times where I am meant to be more reflective and retreating and, um, and really listening to my body first in terms of how it impacts the way that I'm doing my business. Um, And that has been game changing for me this year. Um, It's only sort of been two months, but it's, it's, um, but there's so much awareness that needs to come first. Um, but, yeah, this this book was talking about you're making friends with your cycles. So mm. you sort of, I know for me, you grow up thinking, oh, shit, I've got my period. Or, yeah. oh, my God, why yes. is it here? Or, oh, yeah. no, the cramps. And, and really, and really, I guess, resisting it. And mm. as I say that, I just think about all the things that I've been teaching in my 21-day anxiety reset recently where we're like, no, we don't resist, we accept. <laughs> yeah. um, but it comes into that as well. You know, you spend so long resisting it, fighting it, um, speaking negatively even yeah. about the cycle. Um, and so then we've got these thoughts and these beliefs around around what we're going to experience every month and we start to feel even dread around the fact that it's coming and we're resentful of the period and I'll say I, I'll own it. I was resentful of the period. Um, And so, yeah, just making friends with that, with the cycle. And as you said, leaning into, leaning into what is actually, what is your body telling you in this time? So, okay, we've got the rage, the rage, what triggered it and and listening to what you were saying, but I mean, listening to what your body is saying. So yeah, I just really wanted to second self-awareness, I guess, and making, making friends with your cycles. I know for me in terms of preserving my energy um, on a business perspective, it's been yeah. brilliant. Yeah. 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 Yeah, because sometimes you can, like I see this a lot in clients, they can tend to um, really overextend themselves in the um, first half of the cycle, in the follicular Mm -hmm. phase or the ovulatory phase when they feel good. So it's like, Mm -hmm. quick, I've got to get everything done now because this is when I feel good and I'm going to crash. And that can actually be counterproductive 
because then they've got nothing left in the tank for the, mm. the next week when they get, really need it. You know, that's yeah. when the fatigue drops and the yeah emotions are haywire. So um, part of that self-awareness is also like the next step is the self-care mm. and making sure not to overcommit, overextend yourself in those times um, as well. Yeah, because that yeah. can be too. Absolutely. So self-awareness, self-care and food are some great places to start. What can we do in terms of helping ourselves in the symptoms? Um, Is there anything else that you think can potentially help to prevent or alleviate Mm. the experience? Yeah, so in a lot of naturopathic um, management is prevention mm-hmm. and would use like we've been looking into um, some herbal and nutritional supplements. So a lot of herbs yeah. are really great to regulate the cycle or to um, even out the hormone levels. Also, um, there's some fantastic nervous system herbs, herbs mm-hmm. for great for your stress levels, for your nervous yeah. system, for the brain and all kinds of things. Yeah. Um, like a really easy one people can find anyway is passion flower. It's a mm-hmm. beautiful, nice, relaxing herb. It's excellent for anxiety. Yeah and um, can really help with the insomnia as well. Mm. Um, Some herbs you need to be careful of because they can interact with medications. So, um, yeah, you need to talk to someone. Talk to Heidi. Like which ones are safe, like which ones are fine to use anytime. Yeah, Um, need to book a call with Heidi. Yeah, it's all good. Um, And then, um, but when it comes to symptom management, that's, where things can get tricky mm-hmm. and actually I mean you know I'm a fan of EFT and that has helped me enormously like in the moment when I'm fully anxious or so down and low on myself then using um, EFT to acknowledge and process the emotions to just yeah. get it out of my system uh, before I found EFT journaling was really a powerful tool for me as well mm-hmm. because yeah. you know you can tend to like with anxiety and depression we can tend to spiral inside our own minds and yeah. really bring me down further but in in expressing it as you do with um with a, a round of tapping or yeah. in the journal so I just I likened it to um just sorting my thoughts out and putting it on paper it was just a way to make sense of them and so when I was you know much more very, very, very reserved. I would never have been doing social media or podcasts <laughs> even like four years ago. Um, yeah, then journaling really helped a lot then. Um, there, there are a lot of um, remedies that can work quickly. So another favourite I like that is quite safe, it is safe, very, I mean, before I say what it is, I'm like, is it, is it, yes, it is. <laughs> Oh, am I saying the wrong thing? Um, but it's oh. really awesome for um, anxiety, and that's L-theanine. Yes, so it's a, yeah. A, a amino acid powder. Um, I haven't seen it over the counter. You might still have to get it from a nutritionist or naturopath, mm-hmm. uh, but it's very inexpensive and it works very quickly, like within 20 minutes, yeah. um, and that uh, stimulates the GABA receptors to oh. bring calm, bring the everything's okay feeling. So that's a really yeah. nice one to use symptomatically. 
Yeah. Now I may, I hope I'm not saying the wrong thing here either, but I guess disclaimer, always just check if you're on any medications or pregnant or whatever your, your, whatever your situation is, always just check with a health professional, I guess, before you start taking anything. But I had some fabulous, um, fabulous relief with L-theanine, saffron and ashwagandha. Um, and that was just, yeah, quick and effective and really it just felt calm like it just it was yeah it was just a really nice feeling inside my inside my body (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. it changes like from um (laughs) it's this kind of I it's an I don't care feeling but in a more of a carefree way than a careless Mm, way is how I describe the feelings with those like I love ashwagandha as well that's another one that I recommend often as a hard worker in my dispensary yeah Um, it's just so good for the nervous system and the adrenal glands and the stress response and it's a good nourishing supportive um restorative herb we call it yeah yeah put you back together so you mentioned stress um you mentioned well you mentioned the stress response um and my listeners understand exactly what that means, <laughs> don't you? Yes, because <laughs> I talk about it all the time. Yeah. So can can stress and therefore the impact that that has in our body in terms of switching us into a stress response, can that impact our PMDD symptoms? Yes, 100%, 1,000%. Yeah, because the stress hormones just mess everything else up. Mm. So with cortisol, uh, yeah, it sounds like you have a quite an educated audience. <laughs> if they if they're regular <laughs> listeners, then they hear about this all the time. But let's yeah. just let's just talk as if they're not. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So well, well, one of the biggest impacts that cortisol has is in um, shunting production away from progesterone. Mm-hmm. So progesterone is should be a nice um, uh, GABA. Uh, stimulator. <laughs> yeah, mouth or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, progesterone is a beautiful, calming, relaxing hormone that stimulates mm-hmm. the GABA receptors mm-hmm. to give you that nice inner calm. It's also the one that's like, I don't really care about going to parties. I just want to sit at home nesting being cozy curled up on the on the couch with a cup of tea Um, so it's that kind of everything's okay like I don't care about anything because everything's okay Mm. Um, but yeah when cortisol's in the mix then we have less progesterone so production of progesterone is shunted away and therefore you get less of that nice happy inner chill of Mm -hmm. the um, of the GABA and it also um impacts well as you know like adrenaline so that can lead to more uh, anxiety and hyper stimulation and ragey kind of neuro excitability um it can uh impact the thyroid hormones as well Mm -hmm. so it can really mess with everything so there's such a complex web between the all of our hormones especially steroid hormones and um neurotransmitters and everything that that when stress is in play yeah basically almost no way you can feel okay like yeah. you, you are on alert you are ready for action you're yeah. looking for danger you're looking for uh, how to survive you know there's 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 no 
everything's okay about that. This is mm. um, a survival mechanism. Yeah. So um, you can see how that can directly exasperate the symptoms that we've spoken yeah. about of PMDD, the, that depressive, you know, I guess getting down into that, that dorsal nervous system that de- where yeah. depression lives. And, that negative. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, perspective as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Or staying in that sympathetic yeah. fight or flight, high anxiety, panic response, mm. um, the rage, which I guess also comes in that sympathetic response as well. So stress, managing stress mentally and environmentally and physically within your body yeah. sounds like a really key player to me yeah. <laughs> in and managing your talk about Yeah, um, sorry to interrupt you. But, no, you know, that's to talk about not just managing stress, but actively reducing it. Yeah, so just too. saying no, learn <laughs> to say no, put up the boundaries. Do not, you know, if it's not a sin, of course, I'm not saying shirk your responsibilities and <laughs> commitments. Of course, we need to, you know, like we're mums, we've got things to do, we've got little people to look after, um, jobs to go to. I'm not saying to don't not do them, but if it's not essential, like I've got really mm. good at saying no to supervising school excursions. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is just something I do not have time yeah. for. Yeah, yeah. What you is know, that extra like thing that's a... going to tip you over? Yeah, yeah. Well, certain times that I will absolutely. I will check my cycle calendar and yeah. see. Okay, yeah, I'll be in a good mood then. <laughs> <laughs> or not at that time because I am not going to have the patience to deal with 30 you know eight-year-olds or whatever yeah, sit on a bus with the noise that's the other another big um oh. symptom is uh sensory um, yeah so overstimulation yeah oh, I love that you bring that up I that's I get that um I feel that on every level for me light is a massive overstimulant for me but then the noise and I've actually been working with a kinesiologist We've been trying to balance my my left and right brain, and I generally walk around at the moment with a um a cotton bud a cotton bud in my ear in my left ear, mm. um because again yeah we're trying to get this balance is just where we got to with my body, yeah. um but because noise is so overstimulating for me, um that yeah when I've been in these moments in these states and for me particularly pre menstrual (laughs) um you know for that was the last couple of days for me and it can just be that there's just a little bit of background noise and then all of a sudden one thing is enough to just to just tip it over and then suddenly for me I start getting in my stomach like this you know the butterfly feeling and then it's the muscle tension and then it's the oh god I'm feeling really on edge or am I getting anxious or I'm about to panic and and it can be from something as simple as noise being yeah, too overstimulating yeah. for my brain in that moment so mm-hmm. I love that you brought up those things because I feel like I've had conversations with people where they haven't understood that the noise or the lights that these things can be too much for a brain that's already overstimulated, yeah. for a brain that's already in that stress response and for a nervous system that's already overstimulated, add in those little bits of extra noises, um, particularly high-pitched crying sounds, so the <laughs> nervous system into overdrive and, and not just, yeah, I mean, I know funny. if you're a mum, you're probably laughing going, oh, yeah, I feel that on every bit. But it actually <laughs> does. It actually, your nervous system is particularly sensitive to those sounds. Mm. Um, 
or really, really low growling type sounds. Mm. And so those will actually keep you over heightened and over stimulated. Yeah. And yeah. Just another little random fact yeah. I thought I'd throw in off topic. I get the skin crawl up the back of my neck. Like, oh, oh yeah. Tension in my trapezius muscles. Yeah. Like, oh, for me, yeah. it's also when there's too many. So like my mm. the TV's on and then my daughter walks in with the phone on TikTok and my yeah. son's trying to talk to me and it's like, there's too yeah. many, too many sources coming in. Oh, I understand. That's my partner <laughs> with the phone always loud on TikTok. I can't <laughs> <laughs> and then you're trying, yeah, and it is, and it's too many, it's too many sources, and then it just takes one extra thing then for you to just be like, no, you know, yeah. that's too much, too, too much. Mm. So, okay, so, yeah, managing stress, preventing yeah. stress. I love what you said about actively preventing stress. For me, one of the questions I ask a lot of clients is what is within your control because yeah. what I often find is a lot of our stress that's coming from our mind is coming mm. from the things that we are trying to control that we can't or we shouldn't be. Um, that are just really need to be working on acceptance rather than control. Um, so that's a big thing and regularly intervening that stress response from a physical perspective, I guess, is my little my little um, input into that, you know, doing the things that are going to help to regulate your nervous system, like, you know, your exercise, your tapping, um, just quickly on tapping and cortisol because, Heidi, you're talking about how cortisol just reach, wreaks such havoc in terms of how it interferes with the neurotransmitters and I love that you spoke about that because that's not something that I, um, you know, that's not my area of expertise. And so um, there ha- there was a study conducted last year uh, here in Australia. It was a blind study and there were three control groups, one of them, and they all had their cortisol levels tested before they went into their blind group. So one group was allocated to reading a magazine for an hour and their cortisol levels actually went up on average by 2% for that hour. Then, and this was, I think it was conducted, it might've been at the Bond University. I know we're supposed to give details of studies. So um, Dr. Peter Stapleton, who's a lead researcher in EFT, she conducted this study. It was a replica of a study that was conducted a few um, years ago I believe maybe by Dawson Church, but anyway, um, so there was the group, the magazine group that went up around 2%. Then there was a group that was allocated to psychoeducation. So they spent an hour talking about what they could be doing to better manage their EFT symptoms. So that talk only therapy had a 19% reduction on average for that group in cortisol levels, which is fantastic in itself. But then the EFT group had on average a 43% reduction in their cortisol levels just in that one hour. So I guess what I'm saying is, again, tapping really effective for stress, for lowering your stress response. But it's not only just about not feeling stressed and thinking, oh, I feel calmer now, but it's actually about the physical havoc that it's going to reach. It's what it's going to do inside of your body. You know, it's it's the long-term impact that that this long-term hormones are going to have. So, yeah, if you're managing PMDD symptoms or PMS exasperation stress management. Absolutely. I have one more question for you, if that's okay. Um, Just because you mentioned mums and I'm thinking stress and I'm thinking sleep, right? Mm. (laughs) I know for me in terms of the way that I feel 
just in terms of my anxiety, um, I shouldn't say my anxiety. I don't like to own it just in terms of when I experience anxiety. Um, if I don't sleep, I can almost guarantee that I'm going to have a, a bad day in terms of the way that my nervous system is functioning. How important is sleep in terms of managing PMDD and symptoms? Oh, sleep is important for everything. <laughs> you know, really, oh, I hate these people who say, I don't hate anybody. You know, <laughs> say, I'll sleep when I'm dead. You know, we don't value sleep. You know, we're, we're supposed to be burning the candle at both ends. We, we've glorified yeah. busy and yeah. overwork. Um, but sleep impacts so much, you know, the, your digestion, your nervous system, your mental well-being, your immune mm. system, your digestive system. I mean, sleep is when not only your um, yeah, your body rests and repairs and um, protects itself and integrates and, you know, does all these amazing things, your brain does as well. Mm. So your brain detoxes then, um, you are creating new cells, you're... Um, you know, I don't know, it's just a, a reboot. Yeah, sleep, absolutely, 100%. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I could talk for days or, or like just stop it there. So. <laughs> well, I'll just quickly acknowledge people who are in a season of life, obviously, um, you know, that I feel like I'm just coming out of a little bit now, that season of life where sl- your sleep may not be fully within your control. Um, but if you're not in that little people season of life where you're working on somebody else's sleep schedule, um, prioritizing sleep is, yeah, absolutely something, as you just said, all of the things that are happening within your body, the fact that your brain is detoxing and your body is repairing, your cells are regenerating and all these things are happening when you sleep. I heard, and I could be wrong, is it between, um, you might be able to correct me, is it between the hours of 10 and 2 where the body is doing that real, like, repair, that, like, real, yeah, yeah all the I, things. I, um, I I'm using my hands. You can't see if you're listening to audio. I'm like, all the things. <laughs> yeah, I, I've also read that that's the most important um, few hours, but anything like especially if you've got young kids any sleep is really important um and there's it's not completely out of your control so i know as a mum like when the kids are in bed there's a tendency to like oh i need this is my time now and this is when i'll watch tv or scroll social media and that kind of thing so really being mindful of not overstimulating yourself not i i'm totally guilty of in the early days oh my goodness my daughter just never slept at night and didn't sleep in the day either <laughs> so I was like oh luckily you're so lovable because because uh, <laughs> really um, I'm being tortured right now <laughs> yeah so I ended up becoming dependent on caffeine in the days to get me through and then my husband was working late long hours he was never home before the kids were in bed so I'd be doing that evening the witching hour, the baths and bedtime on my own as well. And uh, wine became my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just so unhealthy because it neither of those things really helped my sleep at all and didn't even make me feel better in the moment after a while. Like, it, you know, at the start, yes, probably. But, you know, your body also quickly adjusts to those things. You build yeah. up a tolerance to caffeine and alcohol. Yeah. So 
Yeah, I would just say. And it's stimulating those happiness responses in your brain too so that you actually start to believe that you are relaxing or that it is helping you feel good um, as well. That's right, yeah, but then it deadens it for, you know, times that you're not taking it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, Yeah. be wary of that trap. Learn from my mistake. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Oh, my goodness. I feel like there is just so much gold in this conversation. Um, Heidi, do you have any resources or anything um, that our audience can? I'm going to link your website. So if they head over to your website, what will they find over there? Oh, yeah, there's freebies scattered all over it. Perfect. (laughs) Two especially on my website. most pages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there were so many that I'm going to do something about this. <laughs> it just looks so messy with all these sign-up forms all over the place. Um, but two, um, I think, really helpful things. Like if you are finding that this is resonating and you think you might have PMDD, then there's one called the PMDD Roadmap. Mm-hmm. And that's like the first steps to take when you are looking at managing PMDD naturally or holistically. Mm-hmm. And the other good one is the balanced mind meal formula. So that's mm. all about eating for mental health. Yeah. So, yeah. And uh, I recently updated that and added in some recipes and little oh, wow. sample meal plans and things like that. So it's pretty juicy these days. I love that. I used um, your meal plan when I did your food mood reboot and no one in my family complained about what I cooked for those four weeks. And mm-hmm. um, they were delicious. Really, really, really easy to follow, really delicious. Um, so that's really cool that you're popping that in a free resource. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> one, a sample day. <laughs> so, sample day, amazing. Yeah. But how, yeah, but how fantastic that people can go to your website and get that. So I will link your website. Um, where can we find you on social media? Oh, at Heidi Hogarth underscore naturopath or yep. the PMDD naturopath. And that's probably where I'm most interesting. My website is in dire need of updating. <laughs> so I'm always updating the socials and um, things get exciting on there. I'm quite sometimes. I like doing a bit of silliness as well. So, yeah, uh, lots of um, free tips and ideas and strategies on there as well to have a look at. Excellent. So you can head on to Facebook and join Heidi's support group. It is a free Facebook group as well. Um, Lots of gold in there, but I would really encourage you also just to reach out to Heidi, go and say hi on Instagram, go and tell her that you've listened to this episode and just start the conversation, start Mm -hmm. the conversation. And if you are ready, then just, yeah, get going, get working with Heidi and start managing your PMDD holistically and naturally. So thank you. Oh, I just feel like I, I want, I don't actually want to end the conversation because I'm really enjoying it, (laughs) but I just, yeah, thank you so much because you have shared so much wisdom and so much gold. If you had one piece of advice for anybody listening, who's resonated with today's topic and today's conversation what would that be oh <laughs> throw you on the spot oh by the way this wasn't a planned question <laughs> um god one piece of advice yeah self-compassion just practice mm. self-compassion and it's you're not alone and you're not crazy you know this is it's okay to ask for help 
there's no shame. So please just reach out and find help. In fact, that's step one in my PMDD roadmap is gather your team because it's mm. a beast and it needs to be addressed from so many different angles and you need a lot of support. So please just reach out and ask for it. I love that. Amazing. Heidi, thank you so much for your time. Oh, thanks for having me, Jess. That's awesome. You have been listening to Alive and Thriving by Inspired Life Collective. Did you know that you can help us to impact even more women on their well-being journey simply by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a review? If stress or anxiety, life or business has got you feeling inside like you are just busting to come back to life, then I invite you to book a discovery call with me so we can chat about how Inspired Life Collective private and online services might be able to support you through your journey. I am so, so grateful to you for being here and having me in your ears. So until the next episode, just remember that you were born to thrive.